Hi, everybody. Welcome to the England Family Podcast. This is Chad England, and uh, we are doing a virtual session today. Uh, I am happy to be here with my brother, Josh, who's the president of the company, as well as Ricky Stover, who's our executive vice president of sales, and with Kirk Freemuth, who's our president of our dedicated division. So uh, glad to have all of you with us today. It's good to be with all you guys. I hope everybody is uh, safe and healthy in this uh, unique time that we're all living through. And and uh, so much appreciate all that you guys are doing right now and, and um, uh, in difficult circumstances. Hey, we wanted to start out by um, uh, kind of commemorating a great milestone we just reached. We, uh, we reached 4 million children fed through our one initiative. Uh, so great to see that. And uh, and uh, quite a quite a milestone. Absolutely, I'm I'm so proud of the efforts everybody's made to be a part of this. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the what's what's pretty cool about this is even in this crazy time, we have uh, continued to do this, and and I can tell you that the need at the food banks is higher than it's ever been. They've had a, a dramatic increase in the the need for their services, um, you know, with all the unemployment and they've done things like uh, stadium parking lot distribution um, and, and handing out uh, meals uh, on the, uh, in numbers that we've never seen before. And, and uh, just a, a really um, challenging time to be running a food bank and, and they, uh, I guess I wanted to pass on their appreciation to the entire CR England team for the support that we as a team provide for uh, fighting childhood hunger. Uh, so as a reminder, every load we deliver, we we, uh, we do a, me a meal for people. You know, I, my personal experience uh, volunteering at the food banks, it is so uh, awesome and rewarding to, to see what we're doing firsthand as you watch these kids eating meals and, and uh, and come into school, you know, there's there's some groups like right now during the pandemic, uh, the only reason some of the kids are going to schools is to to be fed because they, they can't find a meal anywhere else. So it speaks to the uh, the work that the, the group um, is doing to, to try and make all this happen. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty cool. We have the opportunity to to go and be part of these kids' cafes where these kids come and, and receive their meals. And and uh, they are just normal, everyday kids uh, who are so excited and happy and messing around. And, and sometimes they're having to get whipped into shape by the uh, the people who are in charge and, and just normal, great, vibrant kids. And so great to be able to have an impact on them. Absolutely. Very admirable work on behalf of our customers. They care an awful lot about this. and. And thank you to our drivers for uh, making this happen on a load by load basis. It, it, it really differentiates us from other trucking companies out there. And it's a great way uh, to introduce ourselves to many communities. You know, I was uh, recently, I had the opportunity, I visit a lot of the food banks when I travel around. And uh, recently I was in Mexico and I visited um, one of our, our, our partner food bank there in, in Carretero. And, uh, 
And it was so crazy to see the the differences in the way that uh, those services are provided uh, there. And um, in a lot of ways, you, you know, they're having to just figure out things as they go with the logistics and all that. And uh, um, but the same needs and the same great people are involved wherever you go. And uh, just just so uh, so excited about this milestone of four million meals. And and we're going to keep going. Um uh, even uh, and and perhaps especially uh, in this challenging environment right now. Hey Josh, if you don't Does mind, if you don't mind, I'd like to to issue a challenge to all the drivers that are out there listening to this. That we we talk a lot about the numbers of meals we've donated, and we and we're rightfully proud of that. Uh, hitting four million is is frankly beyond a lot of our wildest dreams. When we started this a few years back. Um, but I would love to hear and see our marketing team uh, talk more about the the people impacted, whether it's from receiving food from food banks or people whose lives are enriched by being part of the the people who donate to those food banks. If if a, if you're a driver and you're listening to this, we'd love to hear your story. If you have a, a particularly heartfelt one, uh, we can we can gather that information and and have that conversation. If you could send an email to the road team, CRE road team at CREngland.com, we'd love to hear more stories about the, the one initiative or a particular um, great story about your local food bank. And a reminder uh, for everybody out there as well, we do have 22 uh, designated food banks uh, currently uh, scattered around the country so most major markets uh, that we do serve and also that our drivers uh, live in or live close to do have that as an option when you uh, finish your load and you can select uh, where you want that to go in the Qualcomm, uh, you can actually help your local communities or other communities around the, the country uh, where maybe your family and friends are uh, potentially as well. So you do have that option, uh, which is a real great feature uh, for the work that you do, you get to designate that. That's right. And, and uh, thank you, Kirk. And and so you can uh, establish which food bank you want your meals to go through by going in the settings on your CRE Toolbox app. So you can give back to whatever community you, you feel connected with. All right. Well, let's let's shift gears here. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I introduced the, the names of our guests here, Ricky and Kirk. Maybe uh, we can take just a minute to have each of you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at CR England, and a little bit about your group. Let's start with Ricky. Sure. Thanks, Chad. Uh, happy to be here today. Again, I lead our sales and marketing team. And, you know, the best way to think about those teams together is that we're tasked with helping fuel the growth of the company. We need to be out uh, touching customers and, and prospects, looking for opportunities to do more business with existing customers and, and introduce CR England to future customers. And we do that in a lot of different fronts. It's a relatively small team. It's a, it's a challenging environment out there, but we have uh, about a dozen people scattered across the United States and Mexico and they're organized in a couple different ways. We've got we've got folks that are really protecting and defending our business with our most strategic, largest customers. We call those national accounts. 
we have really subject, uh, really industry-leading subject matter experts uh, specific to our unique businesses like our intermodal division that, that understand that business extremely well. Um, many of you know that we cross the U.S. and Mexico border more every week than any other refrigerated carrier in North America. And so we have a couple of folks in Mexico that, that's, that's primarily what they focus on are those customers uh, that need uh, bilingual staff and uh, multicultural understand both sides of the border extremely well. And really proud of a new group we, we created last year, our business development team. Um, entirely focused on identifying new customers that don't currently do business with CR England. And when you've been around for 100 years, that's a hard task sometimes to find folks we're not doing business with. But there's an awful lot of them out there. And this has been a great fuel for additional growth uh, in the last year. And, and certainly we have a few people that are more generalist and they do all of the above and represent their customers and, and look for opportunities to grow every day and every week. And and that's complemented by our marketing team who is using social media and our website and a host of unique ways to make impressions and engage with our customers and our employees and drivers and the communities we serve. And so that's really the group that I spend every day with uh, on behalf of fueling growth. That's what we're focused on. So at the beginning of that, you said that uh, your team uh, reaches out and touches our customers. I want to clarify, make sure everybody knows that's figurative, <laughs> uh, particularly in this uh, COVID-19 world that we live in now, uh, you know, may maybe in the past some firm handshakes, but that uh, maybe a hug here and there, but uh, that's probably the extent of that. Uh, thank it's a great, you, Ricky. Great clarification. <laughs> Thanks for cleaning that up, Chad. A lot of virtual hugs going on right now, right, Ricky? Virtual touches, lots of calls, yeah. emails, meetings, asking lots of questions and telling the good story of Cedar England. And now that I've cleaned that up, um, we'll let Kirk uh, mess it all up again. Uh, Kirk, why don't you tell us a little bit about your group? So I'm uh, responsible for the dedicated group. Uh, we have uh, an operations team, which uh, most of you drivers are listening in or interacting with our, our various accounts. We have almost 70 locations uh, scattered around the country. And uh, for those dedicated drivers listening in, you're, you're very well aware of, of a lot of those. Uh, we're domiciled at most of our customer locations, uh, whether we're right there in the distribution center or a, an office close by. Uh, that is serving those customers. Uh, so the operations team, you're pretty clear on. We have a, a, a business development group as well. Uh, the dedicated piece is a little bit different in that our timeline uh, on business and uh, that sales cycle, if you will, is can be really quite long. And the anywhere from 18 months to you know upwards of three years, we operate under contracts in dedicated. So if we make a contact with a customer today and we didn't know about them before and they already you know, have uh, their, their carrier in place and they just signed a new contract, we could wait as long as three years before that bid comes back around again. So it may take a while. And as Ricky mentioned, we do a lot of touches in that meantime uh, with our sales group, business development group, our, our lead generation folks that are constantly uh, staying in touch with them so that when the time comes up for bids and, and an opportunity, whether through growth or, or a carrier 
stumbles, uh, then we can be there ready to jump in and offer our services and, and, and get in on a bid and, and some opportunity. We also have a significant engineering group uh, in dedicated. The, the dedicated uh, customer is, is very specific about what their needs are. And generally, whether we're working on the retail side and you out there that are familiar with Dollar General and the, the Walmarts and the Family Dollars and uh, Rite Aid and uh, Staples and those retailers where we're delivering to the store. We also have a number of fleets that are on the supply side that are delivering into those very same retailers. And they all want and are looking for an angle. They're all looking for some way to get their products to the store safe and on time and make it as efficient as possible. So we have a fairly significant engineering group uh, based uh, mostly in Salt Lake. A couple of them are scattered around the country that uh, we use some fairly sophisticated software. At this point, we got about six different uh, software programs uh, that we use. And depending on the nature of our customers' business and what we're look they're looking for, uh, we will tailor our bid responses to their particular operation. Uh, some customers will, will give us information and say, here's exactly what we do. Uh, in the old days, especially in the old days, I'll say three to five years ago, uh, they would say, this is exactly what we do. We have this many trucks, drivers, they do this, that's it, just give us your price. And those are tough to win because then it generally ends up being just a, a price play. And we don't like those. We don't sell our services cheap. We don't wanna be the low cost provider. Uh, we're not the most expensive either. We feel we want to be in a fair price point. Obviously, driver jobs, which we've got almost 3,000 of those in the dedicated side, uh, are key to, to our business. And so we now spend an awful lot of time in these last few years re-engineering their networks and trying to find, is there a better way to be more efficient with the number of drivers, trucks, trailers? Can we change schedules, uh, delivery times to stores, distribution center? Uh, we even work with them uh, on, on their uh, pick and, and loading processes of some customers in order to maximize the cube or the weight in a trailer. Some of you are probably already driving in these lightweight trucks that we have, uh, mostly on the East Coast, involved with Smithfield Foods, Meat Packer, and they are, we are able to do 10 loads worth of freight on nine loads now with lightweight trucks. So that's a big deal when you think about the cost of their network and what they're able to do. So if you're out there and you see these, these sleeper trucks that look a little smaller than the normal, uh, the normal condo that is out there, those are lightweight trucks those sleepers are the same weight as a dry van or as a, as a day cab, basically. So we are able to load the same amount of weight, which gives us a competitive advantage, and we win business that way. So there's an awful lot of design and engineering, and we bring ideas to the table uh, to these customers to try and win that business from somebody on their side, you know, their current provider that may not be uh, as... Uh, uh, as, uh, I don't know how you would call it, as uh, specialized or they don't have maybe the software or the technology that we do in order to provide those services. So uh, it's, really quite, uh, it's really quite an interesting process and it takes a long time 
to bring customers on board, but we've been quite successful with it the last few years. Yeah, it takes a real sophisticated process. People that are educated and specialized in in that field, I think, to to be able to win dedicated business. And that's I think that's one of the things among many that have helped us become a top 10 dedicated carrier in the business. You know, it's the largest division in at CR England. It's where the bulk of our, our jobs are and uh, and something that we've done quite well. You know, we're, we're very lucky to have uh, real professionals in the industry with Kirk and Ricky uh, at our company that are really leading the way and, and helping us to succeed in these areas. So, you know, the, the purpose for the, the podcast today, the, the goal that we wanted to try and achieve is to try and give you, uh, our driver force, a behind the scenes look at how our interactions with our customers work. So we hope you'll find that interesting. So we're gonna go into more depth into that. You may have wondered how we do it, and let's get into it a little bit more. And that'll, you know, that'll include things like, what does the team look like at the customer that we interact with and, and how we, uh, acquire the freight, you know, how they hear about us, how we hear about them, how we get together on that and uh, how the bid cycles work, um, you know, how long the contracts are, um, how they determine which carriers to do business with and how we determine which customers to do business with and so on. So we thought that might be interesting to you uh, to see this from a little different angle. So why don't we um, um, why don't we ask Ricky and, and Kirk uh, that, you know, what the team looks like at the customer that we work with? Yeah, I, I usually describe that in in sort of a, a sports analogy. You know, teams have general managers that choose the, the players and then they have coaches who are responsible for we're getting the most out of those players on a day-to-day basis and a game-by-game basis. And in many ways, our customers are set up very similar to that. You know, there's certainly all different types of customers. We do business on any given month with, with 200 different shippers. So as you can imagine, they're all a little different. But in general, there's a procurement team, and those are the folks who are making the buying decisions, essentially choosing which carriers will haul the freight. And then there's an operations team who is then responsible for um, dispatching those carriers on the right loads and then managing those expectations and results on a load-by-load basis. So very much like a general manager and a coach in that regard. So, you know, the old days of two guys getting together in the back of a smoky room and shaking hands and it's a one-on-one type of deal, those days are for the most part long gone. And our teams are focused on selling to what is really a team of people on the other side of the table, whether it's a procurement person who's trying to get the, the best deal they can get for that shipper, rightfully so, um, or it's an operations person who's primarily focused on, is this carrier going to pick my freight up on time, deliver on time, and communicate to me well uh, as things change and evolve? So it's a very challenging um, task for a group of people. And, and uh, for the most part, I think we are leading the industry in our ability to navigate through those things. I, I have a sales team. We have a sales team here at Sierra England that I think most trucking companies would gladly trade for. It's a, it's a strong group of players, and it's our responsibility as, 
as a leadership team and drivers to support that the initiatives to to fuel our growth. And that's really how we focus on um, our day-to-day activities in the selling. So we're selling to them really three things, um, reliable capacity, consistent service, and great value versus our competitors. And, and that's not always the cheapest price, but uh, value is measured in a lot of different ways. That, that's typically what our customers are buying on everything we sell, whether it be U.S. highway, o- OTR services, cross-border, intermodal, or dedicated. Uh, they, they might make their decisions slightly different, but that's sort of a peek behind the scenes and the, the folks we're dealing with on the other side of the table most often. Hey, Kirk, maybe you can chip in with uh, a little bit of analysis on the relationship between service and price and consequently what we can pay our drivers uh, in different scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to Ricky's point, um, it's become a lot more complicated uh, in the last three or four years where they've broken out this bid process to a pure procurement group separated from the transportation guys that we normally would deal with. And it's become a lot more uh, data driven. Uh, As you probably have heard from, you know, with regards to COVID, uh, decisions are being made nationally based on data. And it's very similar to us. And so as we look at business, uh, these procurement groups, which is why our engineering group has become so advanced in how we provide our customers with this data to tell the tale or tell the story of what we're going to provide for them. So when we look at any kind of a a piece of business and we're making our decisions on on the different types of customers we want to do business with and in what parts of the country, uh, the very first thing we run uh, an analysis on is the driver jobs. What type of a job is it? Is it a good quality driver job? You know, we have some very tough work out there, physically demanding. Uh, We want to make sure that all of our business we're doing are, are for the most part driver jobs that that you all are going to want to do that were in parts of the country that uh, drivers generally are plentiful uh, the type of the work is good quality work and the pay is 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 middle to the upper level in that market and you know certainly price is important uh, today as it always is service is is huge dedicated that's really what we sell um, we have customers that figure, you know, everybody's going to be close on price or you're not going to win the business. And so for us, it's service and uh, safe and on time. That is king for us and it's king for our customers that we are safe and on time. So we look at these driver jobs and the pay that's uh, according to it. We have a tool that we run that shows us what the median driver wage is in any of those markets we're in. We try to be in that you know, 10% range or thereabouts, depending on, on the job type, in that market above what is sort of an average number. Um, and our customers, for the most part, are good with that. They expect that, that they want an elevated quality of driver. Service is excellent. Safety has to be just key. Many of you know that you see our dedicated trucks running around out there. We're pulling customer trailers. So we have customer branded trailers, whether it's a Walmart trailer, Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, Smithfield, uh, they all have their logos on the side of it. So yeah, there's a red truck in the front, but there's 53 feet on the back of a billboard for our customers. 
So they are very particular about who they do business with. And the quality of our drivers uh, is just uh, key to our success and the growth that we've had over these, these last few years. Hey, Chad, Josh, if you don't mind, I'd like to, to just kind of double down on what Kirk said. You know, I stand by the comments that we sell capacity, service, and value. Um, but it's interesting, and you've been around for 100 years, customers start to have perceptions of you, and they can ebb and flow as your business changes. And, you know, let's straight talk. For a while there, our reputation in the truck side and the, and the OTR side of the business was really more of a capacity sell than it was a service sell. And I think we're all proud of, especially over the last year to 18 months, we've seen a pretty significant shift, very significant shift to, we are now in a position where uh, service is is every bit as a, a top selling point as, as, as our capacity. And the power of those two things together can be gasoline on the on the fire uh, of fuel for our growth, and we've seen it with many customers. Uh, we could we could cite examples where over the last year, have we gone in to renew our business? We've been able to protect and defend and keep our existing business and grow by 10, 20, 30, 40 percent more loads per week, and that is the the hallmark of success that comes from the people on this uh, the people listening to this call of great trip planning and execution picking up delivering on time and doing that safe uh, each and every time is just uh, so so helpful and impactful to our growth so thank you for all uh, your efforts in that regard it's such a huge deal that we're we're delivering on time uh, you know i was uh, i went to a, a customer Man, this has been uh, probably seven, eight years ago, and uh, I was. It was a large, large meat shipper that everybody knows their name. I'm not going to say it, but I, I went in there, and and we hadn't done business with them for many years. And I, I, uh, I thought, hey, I, I'm an owner of the company. If I go in there, I can uh, maybe make a difference and get get some great loads. And so. I, I went in and I met with their transportation manager. Uh, he was uh, he had his cowboy boots on and and uh, he came in and he listened to my pitch and we're in this conference room and and he sits quietly and, and he has kind of a smug look on his face and and uh, I finish up and he he uh, he basically. Uh, he didn't quite say it like this, but he basically said, are you done? And and then he pulls out this huge file. And it was a, a file that had uh, all of the information from the last time we'd done a lot of business with them, which was nine or 10 years before that. And it had he had a sheet for every late load that we had had way back, like almost a decade before. And he started asking me direct questions on those loads. Like he said, uh, on, on this particular load, do you remember why you were late? And this was nine years before that. Uh, I, I, uh, to, to be honest <laughs> with you, you know, I was not even in that part of the business, you know, at, at that period of time. And, and he, <laughs> everybody knew it was ridiculous. And, but, you know, he, he had 
been holding this pent up frustration ever since. And I, I think it, it it was good therapy for him to be able to take it out on me and, and uh, try and make me squirm a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, the moral of the story is they, these shippers, these customers, they have a long memory when we have late loads and our ability to get great loads from our customers is directly related to the service that they think that they're getting. And, you know, this particular customer is now uh, one of our big customers and, and very happy with our service. And we've really changed the game and, and done much better on that customer and, and many others. But I, uh, I, I, I'm proud of what our team has, has accomplished with this customer. But I'll tell you, sometimes uh, the, the expectations are what seems like unreasonable but if we're safe and on time every time, uh, we'll be successful. And, and so that's a huge key. Yeah, the, the memories are long both on the uh, late loads as well as on the great service we provide. Um, you know, and, and you have these, you know, these teams in there now, like, like Ricky described, you have the procurement team now. They're trying to, to get everything for the, the cheapest price they can, right? And they do all their analysis and all that. So... Uh, I guess I'd ask you guys, so what role do relationships still play in all of this? So, hey, I got to go say before these guys jump in, an epilogue to my story of the meat customer. So uh, when you're talking about relationships, you know, the way that I got it fixed is I, I took this guy, Brian, to his, he said, you got to take me to my favorite restaurant. And, uh, he, he was in Arkansas and, and I was wondering, man, what place does he have? Uh, he goes, just tonight, just, uh, follow me from the office and I'll drive you to this restaurant. I'm thinking I'm going to be, you know, pay, I'm going to be paying through the nose for, for, for this. Uh, he's probably got me going to this fancy place and he pulls into an Outback steakhouse. He just wanted a bloomin' onion, uh, the bloomin' onion, uh, resolved uh, some of the concerns, and uh, we were able to maybe get a test load or two after that. But uh, uh, Kirk I, and, and Ricky, why don't you tell us about relationships? So, so I can appreciate that about the food. Anybody that knows me, know I'm uh, I'm pretty handy around the uh, the dinner table, and my favorite place generally includes a buffet of some sort. But um, you know, the relationship thing has really changed. And within our customers... Before you keep going, almost... Kirk, I got, I got to go. <laughs> I, I got to comment on that. Oh, you know, one I time you and I that. were in the, the airport together, and and we'd, we'd had, uh, uh, I think, lunch maybe an hour and a half before that. And uh, you, you, uh, you took me to a barbecue place in the airport to have a little snack before our flight, remember? Uh, and yeah, uh, a little something, take the edge off. Yeah. He's, he's not, yeah, that's exactly what you said to take the edge off. Uh, Kirk is not shy with food. Nope. So, um, now I forgot where I was at. Let's see. Oh, the customer thing. So some of the onion. Kirk. Yeah. 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 I like those. I'm good with Outback Steakhouse. I got a great story about a fellow uh, who was a vegetarian, and I'll just be brief on this. He was in our office and been with our company probably 20, I think, seven years, uh, and he'd retired a, a few years ago. And 
when he first moved into Dedicated, he was a fairly hardcore vegetarian. And uh, we had landed in Dallas. And we, uh, my favorite place in Dallas is over on the east side. Any of you guys know that sort of a little rougher part of town. There's a great barbecue place down there. And so we land there and we're headed out to meet our customer out in, in Tyler, Texas. And, and it was a uh, nursery company at the time. And so we're headed there right from the airport straight to the barbecue place. And, and he said, I'm a vegetarian. I says, well, I appreciate that. They have green beans. Um, and so he, you know, he ate green beans. He did try a little bit of chicken and then uh, he hadn't had meat in quite some time. So then we get out to the customer. Now this is East Texas. And guess where the customer wants to go that night? So we go to the steakhouse, local steakhouse in Tyler, Texas. And uh, he had to eat a little bit more. Uh, he Well, I haven't had a steak in quite some time. And so he had a real small one. Uh, so anyways, he ended up eating meat about three days in a row. He hadn't had meat in his system, protein and like that in probably a, a number of years. And Needless to say, he wasn't feeling too well by the time we headed back to the airport in Dallas to come back to Salt Lake City. Uh, so I've had, uh, I've had that effect on folks, uh, but <laughs> it takes a lot of training to get to where you are, right? Kirk? It, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I'm hard. I'm hardcore. So, uh, back to the, uh, back to the, uh, customer piece. Um, you know, one of the things on relationship, which is interesting with this new dynamic, we're in a bid right now and we're a finalist and I won't, I won't say the customer, but it's a large grocery uh, company in, in, in West Tennessee and, uh, potentially, you know, 130 jobs, um, couple hundred trailers. It's a pretty big bid and we're a finalist on it. And normally when the transportation folks say, yep, you're our, our choice and we're going to make a change and we want you to come in and be our new dedicated provider. Uh, in times past, that's how it ends, not today. And so, the decision now, procurement's involved, and of course, they're crunching numbers and doing all this stuff. And and as we try to build a relationship on the transportation side and the procurement guys at that level in the bid process uh, to, to convince them of who we are and we can do a good job for you and we show them all this data and history and you know other customers, they want to call them and get information, basically a background check, if you will, on, on our abilities. And it's now sitting on the C, uh, CFO's desk. So literally the this multi-billion dollar grocer, the CFO is going to make the decision if they're going to make a change in their dedicated provider. And that's not something that's happened before. This is a new development in the last few years. And so the relationship piece is, is, is still important. And if it becomes, uh, I call it a jump ball. So if it's a choice between us or some other carrier, and our pricing is within a penny or two of each other, they're going to want to do business with people they, they feel they can trust, people that have, you know, we have our, our five uh, pillars of our company and integrity, safety, service, family. And those are the things that differentiate us. And when we can convey that to our customers, and if it becomes a jump ball between us and somebody else where pricing is now out of it, they're going to do business with people they like to do business with. And, you know, our drivers are a direct reflection of that. So when you're out there on the road and you're safe and you're courteous to, to, to the general motoring public, 
you never know that if, you know, you accidentally or not accidentally, maybe you're driving aggressive that day and you tailgated someone or, uh, you know, just weren't quite paying attention and you swerved out of your lane a little bit. That might have been some of these folks that are making these kinds of decisions on us. Or it could have been their mom or their sister or their brother or some family member. And they say, oh, you know, this big truck, big red England truck did something today. These little things are what could sway whether we win business or not. And so it's so key that, you know, we have the best drivers out there and you all continue to do uh, what you do. Uh, Relationships are part of it, but our performance, we really got to perform in order to win this business. Yeah. Anything to add to that? Just a little. I agree with everything. You know, ultimately, um, we're selling the same thing in all of our services, whether it be trucks and trains or Mexico or the dedicated uh, that Kirk was just talking about as well. Um, You know, it all comes back to customer needs to know that when we make a commitment to them, that we're going to be reliable and trustworthy and have integrity. And and usually that shows up in some form of a commitment type of measure. They want to know, we promised them a truck, they're going to get a truck. Um, And the service, of course, they, they want to know that it's consistent. They want to know that it's going to be safe and on time every time. And that's that's the reason why we focus on it so much internally. But increasingly, I agree, I think Kirk said this, but increasingly, those are the things that we have to do in order to get a real shot at the opportunity. So relationships are extremely important in that third component, which is which is which is necessarily a bit ambiguous. When I say value, we sell capacity, service and value. Well, what's value? That could be something different to a lot of people. Clearly, to some people, it's price. But to an awful lot of our customers, value is proactive communication when things don't go according to the plan, because we're in a business that things don't go according to plan almost every day. And how you respond and react to that and communicate that is really important. And I can't stress enough for the audience that we're talking to now, it really begins with great communication from those drivers, doing your Qualcomm calls and and making sure that your, your support teams are informed is key to making sure our customers are informed and they feel that value. Um, it's being easy to do business with. Um, sometimes what they really value is having a partner they can be a, that can be a great sounding board about what's going on in the industry. Um, again, integrity and trust, all things being equal, and they never are, um, but we have to try to make them as equal as possible on the capacity and the service side of things so that that value isn't always price. And so that relationship is frankly getting someone to open up to you and tell you what they find valuable. And and that is key to our ability to succeed and to grow is that they feel that we know them and we know what's valuable to them. Well, and it's, Ricky, it's, uh, Ricky on the, go ahead, Chad. <laughs> Josh and I are talking over each other, but Ricky on the OTR side of the business, um, talk just a little bit about the last year, how we've transformed ourselves as far as the value that we provide for our customer base. Yeah, even as I was making my comments there, you know, what a nice to have. I, I painted a picture of we were equal to a competitor, for, for instance, on capacity and service. Well, that's not really true. We've got some great advantages in capacity being one of the largest carriers in the country. 
Um, and from a service standpoint, that doesn't have to be true. We can use service to differentiate ourselves from other uh, carriers. So, uh, you know, specific to your question, Chad, over the last year, we have very much done that. At first, we, uh, I would say, a year to nine months ago, we were really drawing even with, frankly, folks who were delivering on time and picking up on time more often and more reliably than Sierra England was. And for a host of reasons that I'm extremely thankful for, all the way from our senior leadership to individual drivers, we have turned the tide and are consistently in 97, 98% on time for, for many, many of our customers. And what that does is relationships still important, which is kind of how we started this conversation. But if we're separating from our competitors on capacity because we've got great equipment and make great investments and have a lot of it and our service is wonderful, then the relationship just becomes sort of the cherry on top and slam dunks the deal and allows us to uh, maybe even get a penny or two more per mile than our competitors. And that makes all the difference in the world to the future of our company and uh, the benefits that all of us enjoy on behalf of our families. You know, I've been working in our operations, in or around or with or over our operations for, uh, you know, I mean, 25 years. And the I'll tell you, the service level that we've seen in OTR in the last three, four months is the best I've ever seen it. And the, the difference that will make in the next year or two in the freight that we're able to get is going to be huge. I, I I know I'm talking to our driver base, and I know uh, I don't want to set expectations too high, but I couldn't be more excited, honestly, about the, our prospects of getting better driver-friendly freight, more freight. Uh, we're in a tough stretch right now because of the, the pandemic, but uh, we are set up for a really fantastic run. And uh, uh, so, you know, as a driver, as an operator, as a a truck trucking company owner. I, I'm just really excited about where we're headed because of that. Hey, Chad. Of course, our goal is not to have just be right up there on service. It's to have it be a differentiator, right? And so that's the whole reason behind the safe and on time every time. And by the way, the numbers Ricky mentioned on service percentages, um, that's in OTR. In, in dedicated, we've got to be well north of 99% or we uh, we would not be in that freight in that uh, business any longer, um, and and we've been performing there as well. Uh, very high service levels and dedicated as well. Yeah, that's a great great call out, uh, Josh. One thing that, as Chad was talking, it made me think of something that that might be particularly interesting to our audience, and let's make sure we don't ignore it. And you know, we're talking about growth, and it's sort of in our DNA. Uh, for all of us that are working with our customers every day, we're just looking for ways to grow and do more with them. But, but for our drivers, that doesn't just mean more driver jobs. We, uh, that allows us to be more selective about the freight we take and build density into our network. And where that really pays off for our drivers that are on the road right now is less layover in between this load and the next load. And that's just good for everyone. The we're, we can just build density and everyone is more productive and frankly makes more money. And that's a great thing for all of us and our families. You know, and so we build these relationships over time and guys, how many times have we seen 
the same faces move around to different customers. It's pretty crazy where all of a sudden they pop up somewhere else at a different customer. If you already have that relationship built, they know you're going to service the freight well and you're going to communicate well and you're going to you know, stand by what you uh, commit to. Um, boy, it is so much easier to get in those doors. And uh, so very often that's how we find new freight, new customers. Um, Sometimes it happens differently. Uh, Kirk, maybe you could share how we got in with Christopher Ranch, one of our longtime dedicated accounts. Yes, for sure. Christopher Ranch, uh, for the drivers uh, that are on that, or if you've seen that equipment uh, coming out of California, it's a garlic uh, company, the largest seller of garlic in the United States. Uh, Family-owned business out there. The Christopher family owns, uh, owns that business. And about 22 years ago, a fellow that worked there named Mike Mantelli uh, was just driving around, saw our England trucks in California. Obviously, we do a ton of, of business in California. The 800 number was you know, branded across the back and the side of the trailer. And, and he called up and said, hey, I'm wondering if uh, you know, anybody there does anything for dedicated. It's something that he wants to, to do as part of his business was changing and provide better service to his customers across the country. And, and lo and behold, the dedicated group had started uh, just, just a few days literally before that uh, as, a, as a full division at CR England. And so the, uh, the contact was made, uh, things were worked out, contracts signed, and you know, 22 years later, we are still their dedicated provider. And you know, Mike Mantelli and that whole Christopher Ranch group has just been so great to us over the years. And, uh, you know, it, it's that's one where relationship is, has been key for us. Uh, and we know that a good relationship, a partnership, it's all about good give and take. It's not only one-sided. If it's only one-sided, those relationships never last. Uh, so they understand in good times, you know, they, they give a little bit. In bad times, we got to give a little bit. Uh, so 22 years later, we're still doing business. And, uh, you know, and, and another uh, bit of dedicated is we've got 15 of our dedicated customers that we have had for more than 15 years. So when you look back at our portfolio, we have a number of, of customer and customer relationships that we have had, you know, decade and a half, uh, which which says a couple of things. One, we have a good relationship, but most importantly, we have great drivers on those accounts that just absolutely service our customer uh, in the best ways possible. They're safe. They're on time all the time. And then when things happen, as was mentioned earlier, they're communicating and they're communicating quickly. We have some operations where our drivers are actually communicating first with the customer so that they know and they can let you know their end customers know what's going on if we're delayed, weather or something like that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, they're on the Qualcomm letting us know as well uh, to make sure that we're in the loop. But it's all about that. It's that service and 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 safety that it, and being on time is so good for our, our business and has been there for decades. You know, it's funny. Um, I think we're really well kept secret reputation wise. You know, Kirk, you're talking about all these long term dedicated customers. You know, we've seen more and more dedicated jobs and drivers. We have so many senior drivers that are some of the best drivers in the industry that have been with us forever and in a lot of these accounts. I don't think that most drivers out there 
uh, really understand, the, you know, I think they think of us as a refrigerated trucking company. Uh, they probably think of our schools. Um, but the truth is we have uh, one of the most talented uh, senior driving forces out there. And we are a high performance carrier. And, you know, our, our reputation with our customers is is certainly ahead of, I think, the knowledge base that maybe your average driver on the road has about CR England. And, and uh, so it's something we should we should be proud of. And I'm certainly proud of it. And I appreciate every one of you speaking of drivers and operators and salespeople that get the job done because we're all counting on each other. You know, the the company is, and the the management or we're all counting on drivers uh being safe and on time every time and and our drivers are counting on on the rest of us to support them to have good relationships with customers so we get good freight on operating things efficiently so we can you know make it all work and uh as we all do our own own role it works and and that's exciting you know, I was talking on this topic of how we acquire our customers and freight. Um, you know, I was talking to uh, to Mike Kindy. He's the EVP of transportation and distribution at Gen- Dollar General. Many of you know that we've uh, struck up a very big relationship now with Dollar General, and that's all just started here in the last year or two. And uh, he was he shared with me how when he was a kid, um, CR England would deliver to his hometown. And how he, he uh, you could tell he was excited even talking about it because of these memories. He said they were the the rigs that came into town that you always looked for. And he said they were the best looking. They were the, the friendliest people. And uh, he, he just had such a great impression of CR England from his childhood. And now here so many years later, uh, when the opportunity came to do business together, he said that that had an impact on uh basically their desire to explore something with us you know it didn't carry the day we still had to make sure that we had the right deal and, and the right service and all that but um uh that that had an impact on him and we still i think have some of the most beautiful rigs out on the road with that beautiful crest on the side um but yeah usually to acquire freight it, it comes down to a reputation of great service and value and uh and that's what's carrying the day for us um, uh, in all the freight we're winning today. Yeah, Josh, we've talked a little bit about lots of different ways we we attract new business and, and win new business. Everything from years and years and lots of hard work to a happenstance and a lucky phone call that, a, that someone saw a phone number on the back of a trailer. So uh, you know, all of us on this call are, are CDL holders and out driving. It, it makes me consider that there's a million different ways to find opportunity. And um, boy, I would love to put a call to action and challenge for all the drivers listening now to keep your eyes peeled. Of course, be safe and on time. But I think there's a role that drivers can play to help fuel our next growth spurt. So if you're a driver, you're on the road and you see a new building being built uh, that, that looks like it's refrigerated and that could be an opportunity or heck, even if it's not, it's still worth bringing up. Or I, I have drivers that will call me and say, hey, I saw a lot of Martin trucks over there, a lot of Stevens trucks. Why, are, why aren't there more Sierra England trucks in that building? 
I love to hear that feedback and we go and sniff those out and find out if there's more opportunity there. So the, the call to action and the request is that if you're a driver and you see anything that looks like it could lead to new business or more business with existing customers for CR England, I would love if we reach out, if you sent an email to that, that same email we mentioned earlier, uh, CRE road team at CREngland.com. This is something that we've uh, talked about more in some of our late night road team calls recently. And I just think that there's there's some fuel here and uh, we would appreciate the help and we'll do all we can to recognize it. You never know when that next Christopher Ranch or that next Dollar General is uh, going to hit just right. And uh, I think there's drivers listening to this right now that could be key to that. Yep. So, you know, when we get a lead like that, so when when we hear about some business and and we start uh, the process of talking to a customer, uh, why don't both of you guys uh, tell us a little bit about the close cycles, how long it takes us to obtain the freight, and then and then how we keep it about the bid cycles and and the cycle of retaining that business. Well, for us in dedicated, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it could be anywhere from 18 months to three years before we could actually get an opportunity. Usually what we've seen in the last couple of years is that the in-house carrier, the incumbent, uh, has done something or not doing something's probably a better way of describing it, that is now making that customer want to look outside of the contract terms uh, break that contract and then have them replaced. So we've done a very nice job uh, of, of kind of swooping in and, and taking some business uh, from some of our competitors uh, because they haven't done a, a good job with that. Um, but then that's a double-edged a double-edged sword because that can happen to us too. And so if we're not taking care of our customer, being safe and on time all the time, they could, you know, trigger the bid, cancel a contract, and give our business to someone else. So it is so key that we have, and Chad mentioned it earlier, just some of the some of the best drivers literally in the industry uh, that are on these accounts. We don't keep an account for 15 or 20 years uh, because we don't know what we're doing and we don't have good drivers. So it's obviously uh, the, the vast majority of our, our staff on any of our accounts is the driver base. And it is so key that we have you guys doing all the right things. That's how we avoid losing business. And it's also how we win business and steal it from some of our competitors that aren't doing as good a job as you guys out there are doing for us. Yeah. And on the, and on the truck in the intermodal and in Mexico side, it, it really is very similar to what Kirk's describing, but everything's sped up a little bit more. Uh, averages of averages uh, from the time we know about a potential opportunity to move more freight. Um, we can usually have that freight running in Sierra England trucks within 100 days. And in fact, if we if we don't have it running within 100 days, the likelihood of us getting it is probably pretty low. Um, so everything's moving a lot faster. And the other, you know, the other part of your question is, okay, so we, if we are successful and we get it, how do we protect it and defend it and keep it? Um, that moves a lot faster too. Uh, we're usually subject to at least an annual review and, you know, rates can go up or down depending on what market conditions are happen, uh, happening. Um, so in that annual review, 
that can take a couple different forms. Sometimes it's in a bid where they're inviting dozens, if not hundreds of carriers to to give pricing and try to sell them on why they should be the carrier moving that freight. But, you know, we're we're glad to say that we're very often successful. And to Kirk's points, if we're if we're if we're doing everything we promised and committed, that's that's how I would frame it up. If we're if we're offering the capacity we promised and we're delivering safe and on time every time and we're doing that um, at the price that we promised, those are the things that allow us to have an annual review that just sounds like a conversation. Do we want to continue this relationship? And usually it's both parties saying yes and agreeing so. Um, and then that's what fuels our growth to, to keep what we have. And then we go through those types of bid processes for, for growth. And the other thing that Kirk mentioned that, that's been really helpful for us as an avenue of growth, especially over the last year as our service has improved, as other carriers are, are not delivering on those promises, most of our customers are doing some sort of a monthly or weekly type uh, offering where we can go in and steal that business from other carriers who aren't following through on their commitments. So, you know, I sound like a broken record, but it really is that simple. It's capacity, it's service, it's value and price, and just following through on the commitments and promises we make. That's how we keep the business we have today and add more business to it for tomorrow. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how thing how life is now in the uh, world of a pandemic. How our customer relationships are different right now, Kirk. What can you tell us about that? Well, certainly, uh, you drivers uh, on the call that are are listening in, you you're aware of some of the things you're seeing differently from your perspective. Obviously, coming into distribution centers now. Uh, the protocols that are there, whether it's temp checks and uh, answering those questions related to the pandemic and you know where you've been and that sort of thing. Uh, from the customer standpoint, we've seen some really, really cool things. We've had some customers that have really stepped up, you know, particularly Walmart uh, in our operations in Southern Cal and, and in Arizona. Uh, they've donated uh, almost 5,000 masks to us that will allow us to uh, provide those to our drivers on those fleets. Uh, they've provided uh, sanitize, uh, sanitizer for us, so we can provide some of that to our drivers. Um, I've got pictures where they uh, have uh, provided even uh, rolls of toilet paper and have made like a little gift bag, if you will, uh, that we've put together to hand out to drivers. And and Walmart's not the only one. We're seeing that around the country with other other retailers doing things at the local site. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. You know, this has changed our world so much uh, on so many levels and, and, you know, the economically, and, you know, this is probably going to have a ripple effect for many months, maybe even year or more down the road. But as long as we continue to, you know, provide this service and do this great job for our customers, you know, we, we, we say in dedicated, you know, we take care of our drivers and we take care of our customers. The business will take care of itself. And, and that is so true. You guys are number one. We take care of you. You do, you know, you provide the service to our customers. Everything else will uh, will take care of itself. And we appreciate it so much. Yeah. And, you know, my experience uh, from from myself and our and my team is that our customers are adapting to this pandemic the same way all of us are. You know, they're 
their moms and dads with kids who are trying to figure out schools being closed and what do you do with that? And and they're probably a little bit uncertain as the future of the impact of the company they work for might be going through a tough time. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. My days are on conference calls similar like similar to this. And and our customers aren't in their offices. They're working from home like many of us are. And they're getting used to new technology. And how do we maintain those relationships um, with all of those challenges? So in many ways, this has really shown us the relationships we had in place and, and kind of stripped bare what was already there. But, you know, our customers are just like us. And I think that's key for us to remember uh, as we're developing the relationships we have even deeper and, and looking to, to forge new ones. So um, they're, they're, I can tell you this, they're extremely thankful for the drivers in our company and their commitment, knowing that, you know, we sit at home in offices and we're working from home offices and that has a lot of challenges, but we're able to quarantine. The people that, that my team and I are working with are able to quarantine and stay home with their families. So I can tell you daily, they express their appreciation for our drivers who are out separated from their families and putting themselves, um, out in the open and knowing that the risk that comes with that and, and so appreciative and uh, gives us lots of accolades for the essential nature of our business and our drivers. Yeah, we are getting a ton of great feedback on that. Um, you know, let's let's turn the tables on this for just a moment. You know, it's not just that customers are choosing us as partners and choosing from, you know, like Ricky said, dozens or hundreds of carriers and choosing us as customers. But we also get to choose who we want to work with and who we want to do business with. And and so uh, uh, how do we determine which customers we want to do business with? Kirk, let's start with you. Well, we've tried to really be strategic uh, with this part of, of our business in Dedicated. Um, and we really... We try to focus, obviously, first of all, on the driver type of a job and what part of the country are they at. But then we also look at the type of business our customers are in. What commodities are they hauling? What market segment are they in? You know, one of the things we found during this pandemic is that we've had certainly some businesses have slowed down our protein side. You've, you've heard about plant closures or slowdowns uh, on the meat business. Um, our grocery side, as most of you in dedicated our grocery, have just absolutely been booming for the most part, trying to keep the stores full of products that our customers need. And we have had relatively uh, uh, probably an impact to our business of 5 to 10% of customers that uh, have slowed down or even stopped, uh, stopped shipping during this period. And not that we, you know, we're thinking about a pandemic and who do we want to do business with or not, but we've tried to be very strategic about mixing up our customer portfolio so that we're not tied to one particular industry or one particular type of customer. Because as we know, uh, over the economy, things go up and down, some are up, some are down, the customer's type of business. So we wanted to make sure we got a healthy mix and that it's something that if you know our auto business, as you know, auto plants have been closed for a month and a half, um, slowly looking like they're going to start coming back online. But if we were heavy into the auto business, like some other carriers have been, they're in trouble right now because their business has completely stopped. And uh, so we have a nice, healthy mix. It is by design. It is a strategy that we focus on. 
to not get too heavy with one. And certainly in these times, we also are looking at their financials. We, uh, our finance team in, in Salt Lake City, we do a pretty deep dive into their finance. Uh, are they going to make it? Um, you know, what are their, are they, are they well-funded? If they're public, it's obvious, you know, it's easy for us to go find that information out. So we take a lot of time and be very strategic about who we're going to do business with and that it fits in with the rest of our business uh, and it's complementary. And just yeah. one other one other quick point with that, we've got some really exciting things coming down the down the pipe here. Potentially, we we may add another two to three hundred trucks uh, in dedicated. Uh, we're very hopeful for that through the end of the year. We got some big bids that are out there. Certainly, some things have been pushed off because of the pandemic, and you know the decision process has been slowed down a little bit. Uh, but it's pretty exciting, and we're very hopeful that we're going to get some big awards here in the next couple of months and uh, and continue the growth that we've been accustomed to here the last couple of years. Ricky, what about you? What do you look for in customers and freight? You know, there's a couple things that I think that this can be summarized uh, quickly. And, you know, maybe the first is that they're acknowledging that there's a there's a bit of science and some art here. You know, we've got great science that I'm really proud of that, Science that says, hey, is this freight that is low risk uh, in terms of uh, you know, claims and the product that's moving? Uh, we've got great science in terms of the geography. Is it moving in lanes where we can create set runs and, and set jobs for drivers to get home more predictably and more often? Um, so there's an awful lot of science that goes into, does this customer, does this prospective customer have freight that works best for CR England and our drivers and our network. But there's also a little bit of art to it, to it as well. And I think that kind of comes down to the golden rule. Our, you know, these customers are companies, but companies are made up of people. And are they strategic or are they transactional? Are they honest? Do they have integrity? In short, I'll flip around everything that I feel is important that we promise to our customers, which is, we're essentially in the business of making and keeping commitments and promises. And we are looking for and increasingly able to select customers that are interested in the same thing, that they're strategic in their outlook. They have freight moving every week of the year and they intend to fulfill the commitments and promises they make. And we have daily and weekly conversations to make sure that Sierra England is doing what we promised and that that customer is doing what they promised. And, and when we find out and when we determine that that customer is not doing what they promised, we certainly have to be professionals. Um, but increasingly, we are able to acknowledge what it is, is that we may move a load for them, but it, it will also be a, a transactional relationship at that point where we move the loads for them where it makes sense for us. And you know, full transparency and honesty, it makes sense to acknowledge that there's very little perfect freight out there and, and very few perfect people. Um, but what we ask is, is uh, lots of patience as we try to coach them into being more strategic and more fair partners um, and, and know that in, in, in tough times, because we're sitting in the middle of some tough times right now, we may ask drivers to take some imperfect freight, but I, I welcome teamwork for us to go and find more perfect freight, I guess is where I was going with that. Well, Ricky, today there was an example 
you, you know, we we are relentless and absolutely committed to to building the best network of freight and customers that we possibly can. Uh, to tell the group about our our meeting today, where we're talking about uh, some of our important customers, and and uh, I'm not going to name them, but what you said about spending our time on on uh, one particular customer. Sure. Yeah. For those that don't know, we meet every Wednesday with our senior executive team, our frontline people in customer service and inside sales. By the way, those are the folks who are actually booking the loads and uh, working in coordination with sales to make sure customers are giving us the freight they promised us uh, and exactly where they promised us and when and so on. And we, we meet every Wednesday and have about 25 customers we go through that we have sort of acknowledged as our most strategic customers that we really must win with these customers. They're going to fuel an awful lot of our, our future growth. And, uh, you know, just today we had a conversation about a customer that uh, it's clear to me that they're not operating honestly and integrity and they don't they don't have a strategic outlook. We absolutely can move freight for them. But it's just once you reach a point where you can't trust what the, the other person is saying, I think it's important to acknowledge that and say, we want to do a good job for them, but let's let's acknowledge what that relationship is, which is we'll move freight for them where it makes sense for us, and they'll keep their promises to us as long as it's convenient for them. And, and we certainly all know people like that in our lives. Uh, and it's important to just uh, meet that head on with honesty and, and know what you're dealing with. And I think that's what you're talking about, Chad. It, it is. And I think it's important that we have very high standards uh, when it comes to integrity. I mean, it, it's one of our core values as a company and not just a, a, the integrity, but the commitment that we have to excellence, which is another core value. And the, the freight, the, the jobs, the careers that we provide uh, we, we need to be relentless in making sure that we're doing everything we possibly can uh, to making things work, where it works for us, it works for our drivers, it works for our customers, and uh, we can all be successful, and, and, and that's what it's all about. So, you know, I'm going to wrap this up. We've been uh, going on for a long period of time here, and I appreciate Ricky and Kirk and, of course, Josh in uh, participating in the podcast with me today. Uh, you know, the, the goal here is to share a little bit of insight, share something that you may not uh, hear every day uh, and give you a little bit of be behind the scenes. For somebody like me who grew up in this business and I've done jobs in so many different positions uh, and I just love this business, it's fun to talk about the different components in how it works. What are the mechanics? on how we we get a logistical operation of this size to be successful. And there are so few uh, in this country, so few organizations that uh, work as effectively or on as big of a scale as Sierra England does, that to me it is uh, it's exhilarating to to talk about. And so I love what we do. I love our drivers, I love our customers and and all those that are supporting uh, our business. And I'm so thankful for uh, everybody on the, in the Searing team uh, that is, is making this happen. And, and so 
for all the those that are listening. Thanks for sticking around this long, and and I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk talk to you next time on the England Family Podcast. Thank you. Be safe out there. <laughs>